Here's a call comes ringing o'er the restless waves. Send the light. Send the light. Send the light. Hello. Welcome to another Send the Light podcast. This is uh, Matt Tyson and I, Michael Bolton, are sharing our conversations with the world in this format with two hopes in mind. First of all, we want to generate some feedback. We'd love to have your comments, your questions, uh, suggestions, things like that. And we want to debunk errors that are in religious world today. Uh, All of that means we need to have communications with people, with each other, and with hopefully you. That being said, we're both members of the Cedar Terrace Church of Christ in Waterloo, Iowa. Our assembly times are 10.30 on Sunday morning and 7 p.m. on Wednesday night. And we have lots of free material, tracks and, qu- and oh, booklets yeah. and things like that. Uh, we'd be thrilled to share with you. Uh, the church building's address is at 2543 Cedar Terrace Drive in Waterloo, Iowa. And we can be reached at cedarterracoc.com. While we hope to have you subscribe to the program, we really desire to have contact with you, with individuals in the Cedar Valley. We'd be happy to help to welcome you to the assembly uh, at any, any one of those times. Today we're going to discuss a topic that's near and dear to me and really to all who love the Word of God. It's the idea of authority. I think it comes, I think it's a fundamental aspect it of, is. of yeah, of the Bible and without authority, uh, much of religion just is made up by what we want. Mm-hmm. And we might talk about a little bit uh, today, a little bit about what that means and how dangerous that is. Absolutely. We'll see how authority is applied in our lives and stuff like that. So sounds like let's have plan. a prayer. You want to pray for yeah, us? Yeah, let's this do time? it. All right, let's say a prayer. Our Almighty and Righteous Father in Heaven, we thank you so much for this day that you've blessed us with. We thank you for this time that we can come together and study your word. We ask that you would help us to have sincere hearts that are diligently seeking truth. Help us to um, you know, really, really bring out what the Bible says regarding these topics. Today specifically, Father, we ask that you would help us to understand authority and how it should guide our, our lives and how it should guide uh, really, where we where we place our, our our faith and our trust and and the directions that we follow in our life, uh, we ask that you would be with uh, us today throughout this week, and we ask that you would forgive us for our sins in Jesus' name. We pray, Amen. So, what is authority? Well, so people have different ideas. I think of what authority is. I looked up a definition. Um, I think you've got a definition prepared as well, and as I was. Comparing those, I think we had the same source. (laughs) The one that I had found was the power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. Pretty similar. Yeah. That was Google. That was Google. (laughs) All right. Maybe Google knows what it's talking about. Maybe so. Wow. (laughs) You know, so you take the, I mean, I I really want us to to have, to, to keep that in mind as we talk about today. I believe authority is important because we have to have a standard by which we can find unity. And that unity has to be founded on the basis of of the Bible and on authority. If we take that away, how are we going to find unity? How are we going to find truth? What is truth? We don't know what truth is if we don't have a standard, uh, an authority to appeal to. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, as you were talking, I was thinking authority affects our identity as well. If we travel abroad to, to a foreign country, uh, we have to have a passport, most places to enter and obtain a visa and stuff like that. Um, but there's rules. Even as Americans, there are rules that affect us when we're traveling abroad because we're American. Mm-hmm. That authority that guides our lives and protects our lives, then it's it's easy to understand how the Word of God is our authority today. Yeah, absolutely. When Whenever you study with people, and I can speak from experience on this, 
there are some religious groups, religi- re- you know, religious groups that use things other than the Bible to base their doctrine and their beliefs and their practices. You can't. It's it's difficult to study with that. And usually, with these these folks that fall into these categories, my very first objective is to get them to agree to base for the authority in our lives and what we're going to use in this discussion is the word of God and that alone. And if you, if they can't agree to that, what do you do? We need to probably spend our time elsewhere. Uh, That sounds cold, but that's, Mm -hmm. that's the reality. We were talking just before we started uh, filming about a brother whose video we watched that was shot back in December gave a lesson, a wonderful lesson on authority. And he tells a story in, in his sermon about when he was much younger, in his 20s. He's uh, an aged older man now. <laughs> yeah, he's a little bit older than 20 at least. Um, when he was much younger, he was studying with a man who was of a different persuasion, a different connection than the Church of Christ. And they went back and forth for hours mm until about 2 o'clock in the morning, and they finally just had to stop because they were both very tired. And uh, the next week or so, they got to talking again about their the next time they got together. And he said, when we get together again, I don't want to talk about any topics. I want us to understand, I want us to get to the point where we agree what we're using as our authority, you know, that standard that you were talking about mm-hmm. that we're going to appeal to. Correct. So my next question would be, where does authority come from? I think ultimately authority comes from God. Um, Jesus says, I'll flip over there in Matthew 28, verse 18. And if you had a different uh, direction you wanted to go, feel free to take the reins. But, you know, Jesus is about, you know, about to ascend. He's giving what people claim to be the Great Commission. Yep. And here in Matthew 28, verse 18, he says, uh, Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And he goes on, go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to keep all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So there's two things here that I think are noteworthy. First of all, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Well, where did he receive it from? That's what I was fixing to ask you. And, uh, but then the, the second thing, and maybe this is something we can better, uh, better left to come back to, he says, uh, teaching them, teaching the people that you're going out, that you're uh, making disciples of, that you're baptizing, teaching them to keep all that I commanded you. And so Jesus here is demonstrating that he has the authority to command just like that description we read the right or power to give orders make decisions and enforce obedience and jesus has that supreme authority today correct but it was given to him Mm -hmm. and so god the father is the word i like to use that i understand and associate the most it has supreme authority. Correct. There's no authority greater than God. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Jesus received that authority that he talks about in Matthew 28, 18, it became delegated authority. And Jesus delegated authority because he had the right to do that to the apostles. Right? Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, they wrote, guide, being guided by the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. They were, wrote the words of God that we hold in our hands and our hearts. Maybe it's on a phone or in a book or whatever you know form we may have it. The Word of God it has become our authority because it's been given to them. You were talking about who gave Jesus that authority um and and this you, you're talking about supreme authority and i do agree that there is a supreme authority and there's also like a delegated right. authority um 
this one passage, Luke 10, verse 16, kind of, in my mind, kind of answers both of those questions of who gave Jesus the authority uh, and then what is the delegated authority. The Bible, Jesus says, the one who listens to you listens to me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and he who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. I read that verse for looking at a different topic just this morning. Oh, yeah. good. Thank you. So 1 Corinthians 11, verse 2, I'm sorry, verse 3. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3 says, I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Mm -hmm. Again, we see that God has supreme authority. Christ's authority is delegated to him. Man's authority, this would even include the apostles, is delegated to him from Jesus. And underneath that is the woman's authority. So authority is not, it's not something that you can just reach out and grasp at will, is it? Correct. It's something that you either have the supreme authority right. or something that's been given to you. Something that's been given to and us. And we would agree that, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it, that the apostles received that delegated authority. But... Some people might say Jesus had supreme authority, which I believe he does have supreme authority in the church, but he was also given that authority. In John chapter 12, uh, the Bible here says in verse 27, Now my soul has become dismayed, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And uh, I just realized I meant the wrong. Let's see here. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong reference here. <laughs> so we're human and we make mistakes. Yeah. Even though we have things written down, we are still can mess up a little bit. Verse 49 here, I'm sorry. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what I will judge him on the last day. For I did not speak for myself, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment what to say and what to speak. So there's that where there Jesus received, received that authority. the authority. So we recognize God's authority as being supreme. Mm -hmm. Why? You know, I heard one, uh, one book that I was reading said, I wrote down the quote, he said, a rejection of Christ's authority is the outgrowth of false religion. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I like that. How is that so? Let's talk about that for a second. You know, a lot of the episodes that we've discussed in the past, you know, we're trying to debunk religious error. And ultimately, there is one truth. And we believe we have that truth. We believe we worship. We do worship according to the scriptures. We live our lives according to the scriptures. But there are false teachers. And there are people that confuse that, I believe, as a... a a tactic of Satan. Right. We want to debunk that. So there is only one truth. That is, I mean, it, it sounds so simple, mm -hmm. but we live in a world where society says, do what's right for you. Correct. Do what feels good to you. Follow your heart. Yeah. Oh, follow man. your heart. I love that. We, we say that all the time. Jeremiah, and I can't think of the reference, but Jeremiah talks about the heart. The heart is desperately sick. Who can trust it? Who can it? trust it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Isaiah says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says God. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. From Isaiah's description, that's Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, by the way. From Isaiah's description, we know that our own will, our own idea of following our gut, following our heart, is not sufficient. Mm -hmm. It's not, not good enough. I do believe that there is in, within us the ability to uh, d determine right from wrong. And I believe that that is a, a proof of, of God. To you a know? degree. To a degree, I agree. It's called conscience. Mm -hmm. But conscience 
can be seared is often corrupted yeah because of sin correct because of our own desires james says that uh you you lust and you give in to lust you your desire is what he's talking about mm-hmm. there and that leads you to sin and sin ultimately leads you to death yeah not all desires are righteous mm-hmm. or godly not all intentions are righteous or godly I gave a lesson uh, to some brethren not too long ago where I really stressed the idea that uh, intentions are, they're valuable, you know, what we intend. But as in the case of Nadab and Abihu, um, maybe their intentions weren't all that perfect. But move a few chapters later and we look at the story of uh, Uriah, who, you know, he reached out to mm-hmm. steady the ark. His intention was perfect. He wanted to do right. But because the whole thing was wrong, the the ark being moved on an, on an ox cart was not the way God prescribed Correct. it. Uriah was killed. So they, that's this is an example of someone forsaken God's authority. Now, they did it somewhat by ignorance, but still, the intention was good, and they were punished because they did not do what God had said. In Genesis 49, verse 10, the Bible says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. To whom? I believe that, Jesus. That's a prophecy to Jesus. Correct. In his rulership yeah. in the kingdom, it would in be the church. the tribe of Judah. Right. So what we're talking about is, well, we call Jesus the king. We see him. And I love, I love that idea. I'm oh, sorry. Uh, I love that idea where... We have Jesus as prophet, priest, and king, mm-hmm. the only person to fulfill all three to their fullest potential. Um, he is king, and there is a kingdom, and he is king of that kingdom. And so he has ultimate authority. Yeah. That even though it's been delegated to him, it's his now. Correct. And his rules, his laws are our guide. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, not our conscience. I've been doing some studying on this topic, actually, and I was going to pull my notes up. I didn't actually prepare to talk about this, but it, it was kind of fits in with what we're talking about here. Um, but there was a book I was reading, and it, it had mentioned something that I hadn't thought about before, and so I did some, some digging into it a little bit. But the book was basically uh, alluding to the fact that... Um, that that authority that has been delegated to Jesus would one day go away, that he would would not have that uh, authority any longer. In fact, yeah, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom uh, to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and authority and power. And Jesus, what I believe, Jesus has been given authority over the church and and has dictated how we are to worship how christians who fall under that or or members of that church are to live one day the 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 need for the church will be fulfilled in in heaven when he presents it to god that's right and but for now we are members of his church his his what he has that authority over Let's start thinking practically a little bit. You had talked about Nadab and Abihu and Uriah the Hittite, and there's other really good examples of authority. Authority uh, has always been demonstrated throughout Scripture. All the way from the beginning, there's been a pattern for authority, if, if you could call it that. When you think of Adam and Eve... Adam and Eve lived in a perfect garden. They were perfect human beings at that point. They were, uh, yeah, like everything about that picture was good. And God says that it was good. It was right. very good there at the end. 
and he gave he gave a command. He told Adam and Eve, you can eat of every tree of the garden except for that one. So he gave a command. Now from that command came a choice. They could obey or they could disobey. That was the, the two options. God's showing that he has authority in that command. Correct. So, and then from that choice comes a consequence, and I don't, right. or, or a result. We'll call it a result. That pattern started at the very beginning of the Bible and carries through the entire Bible. There's a command, a choice, and a consequence or a result. I don't mean consequences necessarily bad, but the consequence or the result of right. that choice. That carries through to us too. Uriah, there was a command. The command was not to touch the Ark of the Covenant. There was the choice. He had the choice of touching it or not. And right. even though he had good intentions, it was Didn't still work. disobedience. And the result of that choice was death. So are you implying that if I don't get worship right, I could be lost? Well, Face let's, judgment? let's apply that, that concept to our lives today. There is a command for how we are to worship given by an authoritative Christ. That's right. Um, in Matthew chapter 8, the powerful demonstration of Christ's authority, uh, I believe... And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being covered with the waves, but Jesus himself was sleeping. And they came to him and got him up, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you so cowardly, you men of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. And the men marveled and said, What kind of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Even nature itself recognizes the authority of Jesus and, and oh, hold, hold that thought. go for it. Even the demons recognize the authority of James Jesus. chapter two. Well, I was thinking of like Mark. Five oh yeah. 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 With the men from the Gadarenes yep. or the other times that Jesus, uh, cast a demon out mm -hmm. when he spoke, they, they listened. Left. Yeah. They immediately subjected themselves to him and asked him to, allowed them to go into the mm -hmm. herd of hogs. Yeah. He didn't have to do that. He could have done something else. They recognized his authority. Correct. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that. So with us today, we recognize that Jesus, and there's plenty of other oh, passages yeah. that yeah. we could talk about, and maybe we'll mention some of those. So many of these passages talk about the authority that Jesus has over the church. Ephesians 5, you know, uh, wives, submit yourselves to your husband as to the Lord, you know, uh, and he, he mentions um, about husbands loving your wife just as Christ, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for, um, you know, so we see these example after example after example of Jesus having the authority. Now, where this applies to us today is that you can go into 10 different churches I would say 10 false religions uh, and, and you'll find 10 different ways of worship. That's not Bible. We do not see that pattern in scripture. We see Jesus, the authoritative Lord giving instruction. We see Jesus giving um, authority to his apostles to give instruction and that is how it's to be done. That's right. And we could talk, and we have talked in previous episodes about some specific areas of worship, but we have a choice. The Bible uh, commands us to assemble on the first day of the week to break bread or to commune with one another. That's a command. That's a, com a direct command. It's an example that we are to follow. We can do that. Or we can do what we think is expedient. And well, more people are off on Saturdays than Sundays, so yep. we'll do that instead. We're making a choice. We are making the choice. We see what the Bible says. We see what Jesus wanted. We see what the apostles demonstrated. But we're choosing to usurp their authority with our own make-believe authority. And there will be a consequence, a consequence for that. In the Old Testament, it was death. 
immediate death. It will be death for us. It's just not necessarily long suffering. Yes, in this era, let's not, let's let's back up a little bit. Go for it. Various types of authority come into play when we start making application of what authority looks like in our lives. We've already talked about conscience, and we're, we've we've kind of mentioned a human authority, and there's of course our human wisdom, you know, and there's of course the majority. This is what everybody else is doing. These are things that, if we're looking at them for our authority, it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, Proverbs fourteen twelve says, "There's a way that seems mm-hmm. right unto a man, but the end thereof, are the way is of death." Mm-hmm. And that goes back to what you were just saying. In the Old Testament, that death seemed to be, at least in some cases, immediate on the on the spot. But today, God is more long, seems to be long-suffering and patient, allowing us time to come to Him and to recognize His authority. You know, you were just what you were just saying about that. When it comes to moral living, the world says that you can live however you want. You know that you can live live how you want. That you can you know, sleep with who you want. You can do whatever you want, however you want, whatever makes you feel good, whatever. But no, we recognize that Christ has authority over the church and therefore of the members of it. And we are given commands with how we are to live. And in Romans chapter one, uh, Paul says, for even though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or give thanks, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the likeness of corruptible men and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures, so that God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. For this reason, God gave them over to dishonorable passions for their females exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the males abandoned the natural function of the female and burned in their desire toward one another, males with males committing indecent acts and listen and receiving in their own persons, the due penalty of their error. So what you were just talking about, about how, people consider their conscience or you know their their morals or ethical values or whatever as their authority god has demonstrated and has demonstrated that that's not the case because i can tell you firsthand uh in my secular job some of the 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 patients that we deal with they're in bad places they're they're in bad places they're they're in drugs they're in you know poor living conditions and things like that it's the res- many times, not all the time, but many times it's been the result of their choices right. that have led them to that point because they initially started by following their heart and doing what felt good. And it's, and God's saying, you can do that. I love you enough to give you free choice, a free will, but he's demonstrating this is where it's going to lead you. I want to throw in that we're not saying that it's wrong to feel good. Correct. God determines what's right and wrong. And when he's determined something's wrong, even if it makes us feel good, it doesn't make it right. It's still wrong. And when we do those things that are wrong, they always, and I know that's a blanket statement and and a, a bold declaration, but they always lead to pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. There's never an exception to that. Correct. Whereas submitting to God's authority always leads to joy and peace. Mm-hmm. Now, you started out talking about uh, reading from Romans there where uh, they did not glorify God. And the, how do we glorify God today? I know a lot of people think that we glorify God by attending a uh, uh basically a concert let's just call it what it is and singing and and 
dancing around and doing things like that in supposed praise to God. I think the Bible challenges that of that idea. Yeah. I think the scriptures teach us that we glorify God by submitting to him, to his rules, to his well, submitting to his rule, being a part of his kingdom. Second John nine says anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Yes. The one who abides in the teaching he has both the Father and the Son. You got there before I did. Oh, you were going there? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's funny. <laughs> that's good. That's true though. Abiding in the doctrine of Christ. What's that? The teaching Teachings. of Christ. Yeah. The things that ordinances, Jesus taught. Yeah. Right. The ordinances. Oh, that sounds like law. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is. Now, I want to ask a question. And this is maybe taking us a little bit of a different direction. How does God's authority apply to our salvation? Well, and when I think about that question, I think there is a way which seems right, right unto man, but in the end is death. When it comes to salvation, there's life and there's death. Mm -hmm. You know, our choices can lead to life. Our choices can lead to death, both in the spiritual sense of the word. So there is a way that seems right. There is something that has been ordained by God through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, through the apostles, and provided to us today. But there's also a lot of things around us that there is no scriptural basis for whatsoever. Yes, sir. Whenever, whenever you go to different religious gatherings, different religious groups and their assemblies, you can hear all sorts of stuff. I heard one time of a congregation uh, or, or a, a religious group that to in order to be saved, you had to do these certain things and you also had to pay this money to be a member of their organization and then you would receive a certificate of your salvation. Wow. Yeah. And and I think there's other religious groups well, that have things along like paying like penance and stuff like that. There is a record being kept. Yes. But, but I don't think it's being kept here on earth. Correct. Um when we talk about being saved and, and what God's authority is or God's law is, we hear a lot of uh people in the denominational world or in the non-denominational world say just believe and pray this prayer they call it the sinner's prayer um i mean i'll i'll name a group most baptist churches will teach a sinner's prayer the problem is it's not found in scripture you know I think we might have mentioned it before, but there was a very prominent Baptist preacher that got up in a convention gathering yes, sir. and said, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I, can't, I, I can't even remember the guy's name. I can't but, remember his name either. But anyway, he said, should it not concern us that we have been teaching for years, decades, to pray this certain prayer and you'll be saved when we don't find a single account of somebody being saved by a prayer in the New Testament. I know that we've brought this up before, and maybe we may have done an episode on, on that. I'm not 100% sure. But I bring it up again because just yesterday, I, was, I had five minutes, and I was scrolling through Instagram. And I don't remember who. I don't remember what organization or whatever. But another organization, another uh, preacher among uh, denominational or non-denominational people is starting to say the same thing. Mm -hmm. And here's what I wanted to get to. The Word of God, okay, we just read, Matt beat me to it, Second uh, John 9, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. The Word of God is the doctrine or the teaching of Christ, and it tells us how to be saved. Didn't Jesus say that that was his primary purpose?
purpose Correct. to come. I came to seek yep. and to save that which was lost. Well, even in his great commission that we read a few minutes ago, right. Matthew 28, verse 18, what did he command the disciples to do? Go and teach and baptize. Baptize. Okay, and we know baptism is immersion. First Peter 3, verse 21 teaches us corresponding to the following up by a discourse about Noah. Uh, he says, corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal of a good conscience to God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers have been subjected to him. And then if you flip back over to, to James 2, so, so right there he says, baptism doth now save you, right. does now save you. We see Jesus in his great commission said to go and baptize in his name, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, we see on the day of Pentecost, the first gospel sermon, um, that, that they baptized those who were being saved, or the Lord added to the church those who were being saved. Um, and then, so, so we see this example, and, and, and script, if you read the scriptures, Every time you read a conversion account under the new covenant, which is what we live under today, it was it was baptism. Baptism was what put them into contact with the blood of Christ that led, you know, and, and Acts 2 teaches that God added to the church those who were being saved. So that's one hand. That's one one side of it. And there's obviously many other passages. But then there's the the other there, there's the what we're talking about now with the sinner's prayer, faith only. And James says in James chapter 2, even so faith, if it has no works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. And he says, you believe that there is one God. And he says, you do well. But even the demons believe. And they're not saved. They right. tremble. What about, though, in... I, this is kind of a little bit off of our outline, but kind of along these lines. So James here is saying faith without works is dead. But then Paul in the book of Romans, this is one thing I've heard people talk about. Paul in the book of Romans talks about that there is no works-based salvation. We're not saved by works. I like to say that Peter brings them together in First Peter 3, verse 21 not the outward cleansing of the flesh. So our works of obedience, our, I'm sorry, our works of, of goodness, our works of righteousness, you know, feeding the poor, helping them, even attending services on, on Sunday morning, even believing in Jesus Christ. That's all a work. Mm -hmm. we, sometimes people who say uh, no works required or something like that, they fail to understand that belief is a work. It's, it's a choice Correct. that we make. So it, it involves activity on our part. Those things don't save us alone. Well, and if you think about what Paul was talking about, too, he was talking a lot about Israel and circumcision and right. some of these acts of works that demonstrated their obedience to God. But... We just talked about in First Peter 3, verse 21, there is now an anti-type which saves us. Uh, Paul, say, or, yeah, Paul says in Romans 6, verse 1, What shall we say then? Are we to continue yeah. in sin that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Break before I go further there. What did Jesus tell Nicodemus that he had to do? Be born again. He had to be born again, and Nicodemus said, "Well, how do we do that? Do you enter your mother's we'll womb again?" He says, "Or do you know uh, that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore, we were buried with Him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life." For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So the word of God, the Bible, is our authority mm -hmm. for salvation. And it requires belief, repentance, confession, and baptism. Those things are 
um, what's the word you use? Ordained. Conditions. Or, yeah. That must be met for God's work that he's already done through Jesus Christ to be effective in our life. Mm-hmm. Um, I have said in time past that, yes, the blood of Christ is what saves us, but the blood is applied in the watery grave of baptism. And we say that's a watery grave because we go down an old person full of sin, corruption, and we come up a new person. Yep. Now, does that mean we have everything right? Perfect. When we're saved, when, we're fir- when we first come out, out of that water, do we have everything absolutely perfect? Um, I sure don't. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> but you know what we do? When questions come up, when problems arise, when issues in our own life arise, we go to the Word of God to find out what to do, how to handle those things. Well, uh, James says in James chapter 5, he said, And the prayer offered in faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. And so that right there demonstrates that even though once you've been baptized, there may very well still be sin. The temptations that will come, temptations. We, will, we will stumble stumble, and, and yeah. potentially fall back into sin, but that the prayer of a righteous man can restore that, restore so, what we initially had. Okay, we've talked about God's authority in worship, how we're to worship. Strictly according to what God has laid out. We've talked about his authority in being saved, how to become a Christian, and how to maintain being a Christian is also found in the Word of God. This is going to tie in with another podcast. What else do we need? Obedience. I think obedience ultimately is what you know we talk about yeah. when we give when we give when we teach people how to be saved, a lot of times people see that baptism is the end. But it's just the beginning. It's the beginning of yeah. a lifetime of seeking knowledge, seeking truth. And growth. And growth, yeah. Right. But what do we obey? The authority of the, Christ. The authority of Christ. Mm-hmm. Very well put. I think um, Matthew 15, Jesus, Matthew 15, verses 7 through 9 Jesus had referenced Isaiah, and I can't remember if you mentioned that prophecy in Isaiah or not, but here in Matthew 15, Jesus tells the religious leaders, you hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me, but in vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So what you're saying is, Jesus didn't approve of someone usurping his authority. That was exactly what I was getting <laughs> at with this, is we can't just yeah. do what we want. Yeah. Because he says, you know, these people honor me with their lips. What does Jesus says on the last day? Uh, he says, you know, when he's talking about the, the people on the right and the people on the left, and he says that these people will cry out, you know, many wonderful things we did in your name. And Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you. And so that demonstrates right there that these people thought that they were doing what was right. And they thought they had good intentions, just like Nadab and Abihu. Right. They thought they, they had good intentions, but they still usurped authority. Oh, so many things come to mind with that. Um, I'm thinking of the group of people at the judgment who are being separated. The sheep on the right, mm-hmm. the ox, the goats on the left in, in the parable. And some of them said to Jesus, but Lord, we did all of these good things in your name. Yep. They were honoring Christ, but they didn't do it the way that he told them to do. Mm-hmm. So they were not honoring Christ. Yeah. And that's unfortunately, that's kind of what we're looking at today. We see so many people that are good-hearted people with good intentions, 
but they're doing things against the authority Mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ. So intentions don't make it right. Correct. And I actually, that would be my um, invitation or my admonition is we talked today specifically for a few minutes about a faith-only salvation, and, right. and that's an oxymoron. There is no such thing. Right. I would invite people who disagree with that to discuss it, because ultimately, either what we're teaching is right or what they're teaching is right, and either way, one of us is, is condemned, lost. is yeah. lost. And, and so I would invite people, and I know you would too, to reach out and let's discuss that because ultimately we all have the same desire and that desire is to uh, to go to heaven together. My wife says, we talked about it a few minutes ago, friends don't let friends go to hell. Yeah. And, and I, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. And so we should talk about this. And there's unfortunately, there's people who, number one, they just, they're right, he's wrong. Or people that think, well, there's no sense in talking to him. I'm never going to convince him. Well, it's not me. It's the Bible. And and we should discuss it. There's also folks who say, well, your way is okay. My way is okay as well. And I would respond to all of these. Uh, Matthew 7, verse 12 through 14, Jesus says, the gate is narrow, and mm-hmm. the way constructed is is constricted that leads to life. Yeah, and there's few that find it. I'll read the whole passage. Therefore, in all things, whatever you do, whatever you want people to do for you, so do for them. So we're warning, we're pointing out, we're raising the red flag. If we're wrong, if you honestly, genuinely believe we're wrong, reach out, please. For this is the law and the prophets enter through the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction all are equal on the road to destruction Mm -hmm. and there are many who enter therein for the gate is narrow and the way is constricted that leads to life and there are few who find it you know jesus says or the word of god says in colossians 3 17 whatever you do in word or deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. When we look for something to do, for what to do in a situation, for worship, for the way of salvation, for Christian living, it's to be in the name of, and that right. phrase literally means in the authority of mm-hmm. the Lord Jesus. Yeah. I'll say I, I made a Facebook status a few days ago, and, uh, you know, it's kind of, I'll say it again. If somebody told you that you were saved before you were baptized yes. for the remission of sins, you were deceived. That is not what the Bible teaches. And and we want the opportunity to discuss that together and and to not teach you what our church believes or what our confession of faith says but to explore the scriptures yes. and see what Jesus said. Because this is our authority. Correct. This is the standard, that's what that word means here, the standard by which we're going to be judged. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, you got anything else? One more, I think. Bring it Revelation on. 19. Um and I think it might be a good place to to end if that's where you were about to go. Um, Should I tell knock knock jokes while you're flipping there? All right, carry it's on. A new Bible. <laughs> <laughs> um, Revelation nineteen verse eleven. I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with the robe dipped in the blood, in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. 
out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the, and wrath of the Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written. King of kings and Lord King of lords. King of kings and Lord of lords. The king has ultimate authority. Mm-hmm. Christianity is a monarchy. That's right. Mm. And Jesus is the king. Yep. As such, he is the judge. That's uh, That word monarchy can also be synonymous with absolutism. And that implies Jesus as that monarch, that reigning monarch, right. has absolute say. Well, that's all I got. Got anything else? I'm good. All right. Well, please do consider that invitation and please reach out if there's any questions that you have regarding the things that we've talked about it, it maybe you fall into that category of 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 um believing in a work in a, a, a faith-based salvation or uh the sinner's prayer or or thing other things that maybe we've discussed in the past we really do just want unity and we want to do what the bible says and so, so I, I really ask and I pray that you take us up on that, that we can sit down together over a cup of coffee, cup of tea, or, or whatever, and, and just open our Bibles together and, and compare uh, what we read and what we've been taught and, uh, so, that, so that we all may have eternal life. Uh, as Michael said, we've got a lot of uh, different resources that we can send to you. We've got Bible study courses by mail. We've got tracts and articles. And um, there's a lot of other resources that we're just aware of, um, YouTube videos and, and, and po- other podcasts and, and, and things like that that we'd be happy to, to send your way. Um, so you can find us at our website at cedarterracecoc.com. You can find our YouTube and Facebook channels with the handles uh, at Cedar Terrace COC or the email address and phone numbers listed on the screen or in the podcast notes. Come visit with our assembly. We meet Sunday mornings at 1030 and uh, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. You can find us at 2543 Cedar Terrace Drive in Waterloo. We'd love to see you. We'd love to meet you. Um, but ultimately, we'd, we'd really love the opportunity to sit down and, and talk Bible, or we can do that via course, uh, email correspondence. We can meet over Zoom, Google Meets, whatever's uh, Skype, whatever's most convenient to you. So please just reach out to us and let us know how we can help. We're looking forward to the next time that we get together. Uh, we'll have to pick a topic. We've got a few in the in the queue. The queue. Um, so we'll looking forward to that. So. Uh, Once again, I'm Matt Tyson, Brother Michael Bolton. It's been a pleasure, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you, and God bless you.